listening to the My Pet Podcast, the show for pet lovers of Australia and around the world. Proudly brought to you by Australia's trusted online pet supply store, Vet and Pet Direct. Welcome back to the My Pet Podcast. Here we are again for episode two. I am joined uh, today by our resident veterinarian, Dr. Glenn. Hello, everyone. Uh, Dr. Glenn, if you missed our intro in the last episode, is a uh, small animal veterinarian with 23 years of experience. He actually has also practiced in uh, large animal or mixed animal practice as well. But um, So he's sort of across most species of animals, and uh, we use his brain to answer all sorts of difficult questions. We also have uh, Beck here with us, and Beck uh, is a experienced vet nurse, and she is also responsible for a large portion of the content that we have in our My Pet magazine, our blog, and also in our help centre. Howdy, everyone. Okay, so this uh, episode, we thought, given the time of year, that we might uh, jump on into the topic of Christmas, and instead of just talking about a lecture of... Um, things you should and shouldn't do, we just thought we'd have a chat around things that sort of, you know, come up and perhaps influence you and your animals at this time of year. Um, you know, Christmas is still a couple of weeks away, but if you don't have to be um, a rocket scientist to see that it's almost upon us if you walk into the supermarkets, etc. So All the Christmas cheer is there in the world. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So that's what we thought. We're going to talk about, you know, what are the things we need to be keeping in mind uh, at this time of year in terms of looking after our pets um, and there's a, f- a few different angles we're going to attack here, but one of the most obvious ones uh, that comes up, I guess, is um, f- around food. And so, you know, it's a time of, of plenty, plenty <laughs> of Christmas cheer. Dr. Glenn, let's have a chat about that and how does it affect our pets? Well, there's a number of different things that can potentially be very delicious at Christmas time that unfortunately can be hazardous to your pets. Uh, Probably the most common and highest number of um, problems that I see um, are associated with just all um, overconsumption by dogs primarily of fatty offcuts of things that are delicious at Christmas time like ham, um, fat and chicken skin and turkey skin and all the the good stuff basically. Um, Sometimes after Christmas uh, as as a glut between Christmas and New Year's and everyone's polishing off their Christmas hams but certainly leading up to Christmas as well. um, High fat diets particularly when it's a a one-off meal of, of a lot of fat at once that the dog not necessarily used to eating um, causes a big problem called pancreatitis um, and pancreatitis is potentially life-threatening and really nasty stuff and I see probably uh, four or five cases a week coming up to and including Christmas whereas I only see maybe one a week uh, in the normal practice time of year so it's, it definitely accelerates at Christmas time. And so you know it goes to show you know if it goes from maybe one a week to four or five cases a week this time of year you know, it, it has an impact, so it is important to take note. Absolutely, definitely a big problem. And, um, I mean, as I said, like it is it is potentially life-threatening. The, the body is designed to obviously digest fat and digest carbohydrate and digest protein, but the little pancreas, the little organ um, that's next to the gut, quite close to the liver, um, it is responsible for releasing the enzymes into the into the, the digestive system that um, the digest fat and carbohydrate primarily, and and it gets overstimulated and gets inflamed when a, a pet gets a big fatty meal, um, even just a single you know, dose of of 
fatty offcuts and that sort of thing. Um, and within 24, 48 hours, they're feeling sick and nauseous and not wanting to eat and um, getting dehydrated and vomiting and there's toxins released from the, the inflammation of the pancreas which is what pancreatitis is that um, it's a significant cardiac toxin um, sometimes they develop into abscesses and and just because it's close to other important stuff like the liver and bile ducts and that sort of thing you can get um, yeah necrotic dying abscesses and, and yeah sometimes death from various causes which is very uncomfortable and, and obviously horrible and um, sorry, that was a condition for both dogs and cats? Dogs and cats, more so in dogs probably because they, um, I think, are the ones that people probably give the fatty stuff to. They, they do the, cats the garbage do, yeah, yes. Cats do get pancreatitis, around but the, the acute, um, as in one meal, does them in. Um, problem seems to be more so a dog problem. Cats certainly get chronic pancreatitis and, and it can lead to, um, to diabetes in cats. Um, and it can lead to diabetes in dogs too if you get pancreatitis, um, particularly multiple rounds of pancreatitis in dogs. It knocks their pancreas out and, and they are more prone to ending up with um, insulin problems um, and, and diabetes from that as well. So, I mean, yeah, so that is one of the things here, isn't it? So if you, um, you know, give your dog the big feed a ham off the you know the fat off the ham or you know this sort of stuff and you have you create pancreatitis you've then potentially created a, a long-term problem not just this one off and go to the vet and he gives it some medication and everything's hunky-dory again absolutely yeah no it's um it's it's definitely a big problem because you get effectively scar tissue forming in the pancreas and, and the, the pet's more prone for future bouts with the same stimulus or, or even potentially less stimulus so then you end up on a, a lifelong program of special low-fat foods and that's about all you can feed them and yeah life gets much more complicated for your pets just because of a potentially a, a one-off oh he's looking at me with his big brown eyes and mm. I've got all this fat sitting here I've just trimmed off the bone and I'm sure he'd eat it and he will um, and he'll love it he'll enjoy it he'll love it he doesn't know what's no, going right. to happen he's not going to yeah. hold back um, but it can be very bad yes sure and um, okay so pancreatitis that's one sort of issue um, also with the ham you know I've just eaten all this ham so the natural thing to do then would be to say well look Fido he would just love this bone and same thing goes, he would love the bone and <laughs> he would, would chew on it and maybe chew on it for a couple of days and <laughs> cherish every bit. But yeah, cooked bone um, is different to raw bone. So And cooked, this is the thing, like ham is cooked. Yep, absolutely. Ham's still cooked. Um, anything that's not raw, basically. So any meat um, bones that we consume have been cooked. Um, so that cooking of the bone changes the, the protein matrix structure of the bone. So it becomes indigestible. So raw bones, uh, theoretically, dog chews a piece off it and it's um, absorbable and, and digestible in the stomach um, cook bone pretty much the way it goes in one end is the way it tries to come out the other end um, so that can be swallow big chunks I do quite a few bowel surgeries for, um, for perforated bowels and, and obstructed bowels from, from cooked bone particularly chopped bones and, and I've seen plenty of hand bone um, problems that's for sure and then if they are a big enough dog that they can chew it up robustly and, and, and chew it up into smaller bits it sets in their colon like concrete and it's like and a brick full of razor blades pretty much yeah, pretty, pretty uncomfortable it's pretty brittle it's it's pretty nasty i say okay so you're saying that if i'm i'm banking on giving fido the ham bone for his christmas present that um maybe that's not <laughs> the best idea correct ham bone in the bin um find another christmas present for fido sure okay mm, better go and think about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um okay so if we're not giving them all the table scraps, like all the fat and the skin off the chicken and the skin off the ham and all the fat and, you know, 
what do you suggest that um, we feed our pets at this time of year? Oh, look, I mean, any dietary change from what they're used to to something else can occasionally cause a, a, a stomach upset. But, I mean, there's lots of, you know, small volume um, treats that are designed for dogs or do- designed for cats um, that you can give them that aren't a, a vast change in diet and you don't have to give them um, five cups of something or something massive for them to appreciate because Just it moderation as quickly as it can yeah. anyway. Yeah. And I, you know, you, I guess as a human you can un- use your own experience on that. I mean we're generally a lot bigger than our pets and it doesn't take a real lot of something that we're not used to to make ourselves a bit uh, queasy, a bit upset in the tummy. So, Absolutely. You know, if you're feeding your pet perhaps a volume of something that you might eat, well, that's a lot. Yeah. It's too I, much. I see, especially little dogs, like people that own little dogs <laughs> don't take into account how little their little dog is. Little they are, yeah. If you've yeah. got a three kilo chihuahua and you give it, um, oh, I'll just give him half of this sausage. Well, okay, that's the same as me eating about 25 sausages <laughs> in one sitting. Um, yeah. on a body weight basis so and the same with you know oh here's a biscuit you know just a scotch finger biscuit or something well, yeah that's the same as me eating two packets yeah, yeah. and yeah so you've got to keep it in context and yeah. yeah be really aware of what the size of the size difference yeah um okay so if we move away from that sort of stuff then you know we're killing all the fun for our pets here at christmas time <laughs> what about little things like you know some chockies no <laughs> yeah look chocolate um is variable in its amount of toxicity, but certainly dogs, um, chocolate is broadly speaking toxic for dogs. There's a, a um, component in it, 3-O-bromine, that they just don't um, metabolise very well, so people can break that down very quickly, and dogs can't, so it accumulates very quickly in the system, even from a one-off exposure. Um, the darker the chocolate, the worse it is, because the higher that concentration of, of the abromine, milk, milk chocolate and, and a lot of chocolates that... Um, are very sweet and, and relatively low in um, cocoa basically um, has got a relatively low content in there but um, yeah especially cooking chocolates and dark chocolates which seem to be becoming more popular it doesn't take much I punched into a little calculator this morning and if you've got a 10 kilo dog um, a 25 gram serve of um, a dark chocolate um, is potentially a, a fatal dose basically so you think about 25 grams that's not much chocolate so if there's a chocolate bar or it's christmas time there's might be a box of rosie's chocolates underneath the christmas tree all wrapped up ready for when someone comes around um for the christmas present opening if your dog lives inside um yeah they will f- potentially find that before christmas and have a premature mm-hmm. christmas opening party and um you'll find a, an empty box and lots of wrapping paper and no chocolates and Beck, have you got anything to add to that? Because I know you've uh, recently written a, an article, well, this year, wasn't it, around Valentine's Day? I mean, we did an article yes. about that on like, chocolate Around Easter time. Easter, was it? Yeah. yeah, typical time for everyone to share with the dogs. And yep. um, same thing again, though, they will get into it. They will find it under the Christmas tree and it's definitely not a good idea to be sharing it with them. Um, we do need to keep it away from them, otherwise you're likely to end up with some either some real gastro issues going on or you will be at the vet with potential of a fatality of and it's pretty common isn't it like because we shared that we shared something about that on our facebook page and we had quite a few people comment to say oh yeah we've had that happen like not so much i guess vet needing veterinary intervention well i guess it's once again it's the higher concentration of the cocoa that's worse for your dog so we're not typically sitting down and eating a block of um, cooking chocolate so we're not sharing that um but we do have the box of roses underneath the tree or we do have the 
little um, chocolate macadamia nuts and your sultanas and things like that that uh, have other potential problems, um, we definitely can't be sharing with them. They And they will find them. They will find them wherever you put them. That's what dogs are made for, to sniff out the good stuff. And then you have those uh, shiny multicoloured poos. Oh, yes, when the wrapping papers come through the other end. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in my memory I've seen a multicoloured poo at, I'm sure it's at my place before. Yeah. <laughs> we lost a box of Rosie's chocolate mm, that one may stage. have happened once, yes, <laughs> yes. In, our, in our past. <laughs> and uh, Dr Glenn... Tell us about that. So if, you know, Fido does wolf down the box of favourites, um, what's the prognosis in terms of all those little wrapping papers in his belly? Yeah, look, the wrapping papers most likely aren't probably going to cause foil. Any, any, yep. any troubles. Yeah, just because they're of the relative size of them. Like once the, the body <laughs> digests the chocolate from within. Um, yes. it's, and they'll eat them whole. Yeah, them <laughs> um, yeah, they don't get much enjoyment from them, do they? They no. just sort of vacuum it up and it's done. Thing. Thing. Got to get down as quick as I can. Someone might catch me. So yep. I've to get it in. And leave the box too. Oh, yeah, why not? See, you've got to pull it apart to get to it. So, so, um, so yeah, so the wrapping papers, look, it's, you can never say never, but it's unlikely at the size they are to, to cause troubles even in, in smaller dogs because it's sort of a flexible um, a flexible wrapping. I mean, there's there's other things that they can eat that are certainly a problem if there's you know, longer bits of string and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, wrapping papers are probably unlikely to cause any troubles. Probably should just touch base on what problem chocolate actually causes so um, chocolate as a toxin um, causes muscle tremors becoming seizures um, the amount of heat that they generate from the seizures can cause um, hypothermia or, or you know rapidly escalating temperatures basically but but effectively they have seizures and, and can die from the, the seizures from it and it's fairly quick um, as in like within a couple of hours of ingestion um, and certainly within 12 to 24 hours you'll see so that's important signs. to know then isn't it because if Fido has stolen the block of cooking chocolate off the counter uh, yeah it's not something to go, well, wait and see if he gets no, sick. It's correct. probably like, let's jump into yeah. the car and take this dog to the yeah, vet straight so away. If they've just eaten it, I mean, basically, you'd, you'd induce vomiting um, at the vet clinic um, and, and try and clear the system as much as possible and then um, maybe some fluids and, and monitor their, their neurological responses and, and treatment-wise, it's just basically flushing the system out and, and controlling seizures with either sedations like Valium and that sort of thing or, or sometimes they need general anaesthetics um, to control the, the seizures until it's, it's out yeah, of the system right. and... and, and and um, and then the toxin's not there anymore, so you can whack him back up again and see what happens. Yeah, so it, it's pretty nasty stuff. And we we were chatting earlier um, before we sort of started recording, uh, just about okay, chocolate's an issue, but then also at this time of year, you know, one of my favourite things at this time of year is like chocolate coated sultanas or chocolate coated nuts, nuts. You know, like oh, give me a chocolate coated macadamia nut. You know, like that's awesome. But yeah, chocolate coated sultanas. So. We got the chocolate issue there, but you're saying that there's um, more we've got to worry about within as well. Yep, unfortunately, the um, the macadamia side of things. I mean, chocolate covered or not, uh, macadamia nuts in dogs for a weird reason has got a um, a seizure inducing problem as well. Mm-hmm. Um, very rarely fatal if they get enough of them, but um, it's it, it just yeah causes twitching and muscle excitation and seizures and, and the same um, hyperthermia, so increased body temperature um, if they get them. And again, it doesn't take a great deal. Like there's something like uh, 50 grams of, of nuts, which when you think of a handful of macadamia yeah. nuts, you know it's not much. That's enough to induce seizures in in a um, in an average sized dog. So you know it, if one or two is probably not going to do any harm, but I wouldn't encourage you giving them macadamia nuts at all. But if they, you know, if they've got a handful, if there's a plate of macadamia nuts on the table or you've got a box of chocolate-coated <laughs> macadamia nuts and they steal that, well, then you've got the chocolate problem and the, potentially the macadamia nut problem um, in, in dogs, yeah. 
And what about our chocolate-coated sultanas? I mean, I'm sort of happy that I don't feel obliged to share them <laughs> with the dogs, but tell us about that. Yeah, there's another weird little thing with dogs. They've got um, grapes and anything that's made of grapes, which brings in raisins and sultanas and wine. And, um, wine. Yeah, don't go sharing Probably the wine. Probably isn't a very good idea in the first <laughs> For other place. Reasons. I'm not sure about the fermentation process, how that goes with as far as the toxicity effects of grapes. But, um, yeah, it, it certainly causes um, horrible acute, as in within a couple of days, kidney failure. And I've um, lost patients to having eaten grapes. I haven't touched wood, lost any to eating um, chocolate coated sultanas. But yeah, I mean, just having a bunch of grapes, a bunch of grapes is enough to, to kill a dog a couple of days later through kidney failure. And, yeah, right. Um, I mean, that's a very, like this time of year now, absolutely. the grapes are becoming plentiful. So that's yep. something you would absolutely have sitting around if you're having a barbecue yeah. or whatever, having yep. it sit on the table there or drop a few. And, and again, well, dogs, dogs will snap them. Yeah. Um, but no, it's a, it's a problem that's lurking there that's, you know, again, it's an everyday food for us and it's, it's fine for us. But, you know, some species and some things have got just specific problems with them. Um, with eating it and that's one of them unfortunately okay so we've sort of ruled out all the fat off the ham and the skin off the ham and the fat off the chicken and cooked bones and chocolate and macadamia nuts grapes raisins and sultanas um <laughs> not leaving many food groups <laughs> no so all right the humble barbecue i mean this is a time of year when lots of people get together so other than just the christmas event it's also a socializing time of year so lots of barbecues etc happening um throw a few snags on the barbie, chuck a bit of onion on, you know, it's all good. And when we're done, we've got some leftovers, so will I just scrape that off for Friday's week? Again, preferably not. Um, onions got a specific problem in there. They cause a, a hemolytic anemia, so it takes a reasonable dose. I mean, you're not going to get it from dropping an onion ring and the dog eating that most likely. But if you scrape off yeah half a plate of onions that um, didn't go on the hamburgers and, and give that to the dogs again they're going to snuggle that up and and that could cause an anemia where they need a blood transfusion or they die unfortunately it takes um, a day or two to um for them to destroy all their red blood cells in the system but yeah there's a, a toxin in the onion in dogs that that causes red blood cell destruction and, and they'll become anemic pee out all their blood breakdown products and um and pass away so, um, you know, what you said earlier about feeding them what you normally feed them sounding, sounding pretty good about now. That's a good idea. It sounds yeah. like a pretty good idea, really. <laughs> if they've currently been doing well and are still alive, yes. based on what you've been feeding them, <laughs> then perhaps you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And let's not get start uh, dishing out too many uh, non-doggy-specific or cat-specific treats at this time of year. Absolutely. And I mean, the moral of the story. They'll appreciate you whether you feed them a bucket load of ham or not. But, I mean, if you're going to give them something, yeah, give them a, a treat that's designed for dogs um, in moderation, the same as we mm -hmm. probably should be eating <laughs> Christmas yeah. time as well. And what about, yeah, well, that's a good point. And uh, what about some alcohol? I mean, you know, there's mm. plenty of that flowing at this time of year as well. So um, a beer? Um, no. <laughs> Again, would advise against it. Certainly, We're taking all the um, fun out of it. <laughs> dogs and cats, um, yeah, they are affected by alcohol um, similarly to us. And if they are uh, misfortunate enough to um, drink enough in some way, shape or form, I mean, it can cause toxicity and, and you know, brain damage and, and all sorts of things. The same as, as people get you know, alcohol poisoning, poisoning. basically. Um, it's probably not the most palatable things for dogs necessarily, but what other things that aren't particularly palatable that dogs eat straight away just exactly. because they think it's a pretty good idea at the time. Yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I do say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, the reality is uh, with our pets, anthropomorphism, there's a big word for you, but that whole idea of instilling human sort of thoughts and actions onto our pets is mm -hmm. very much alive and well. And so it does sound a little bit absurd, but then, you know, 
in the right time, the right place, you will get people that will think, oh, look, it's okay. We'll just, you know, he can have a beer, you know, like let's just tip yeah. some in his bowl and yeah. soak it in his bickies in it or whatever. Like it sounds silly, but it, it is the kind of thing that can potentially happen and it's sort of like, yeah, bad idea. Let's just not go there, right? Yeah, just bad idea. Bad idea. Um, okay, you also uh, said to me... Uh, actually, no, let's just jump back. So we sort of we've dug fairly well into the food thing. So we've sort of ascertained let's just keep feeding them dog food and cat food. Um, other things that pets eat, and this is interesting because uh, Beck actually shared on our Facebook page the other day a funny little thing of um, all the sorts of problems that pets cause for us in terms of our plans for Christmas. So well, there was mm-hmm. pictures of Christmas trees in crates and behind Stuck iron fences <laughs> and all these ways of sort of trying to stop our pets from destroying things um but it does go a little bit further than that so i mean the destruction is one part and we can sort of laugh or cry about that but then we do have that issue where we've got cats in particular i believe really take a liking to eating tinsel Tinsel, and things yes yeah they seem to be um just very predisposed to liking to eat and and then swallow just long things basically so Mm, like bits of tinsel or ribbons or string or human hair or hair ties or you know all sorts of stuff basically and um so a bit of tinsel's made out of the same stuff as a chocolate wrapper though isn't it it is but it's just the length um so if you've got something that gets down the stomach and they can swallow it okay um occasionally you can get something caught around the base of the tongue so like a long piece of string actually loops around the base of the tongue so they've swallowed most of the bit of string but it's like a looped around the tongue and that just anchors it basically so if you've got a long enough bit of string like 20 centimeters or longer that a cat eats um that is anchored on the base of the tongue goes into the stomach the end of it other end of it goes into the small intestines and that small intestine keeps trying to squeeze it and and pass it through and you end up with what's called a linear foreign body so um that piece of string linear being straight line when you're being straight line yeah so the i mean the bowel squiggles around and there's you know three meters of small intestine in there um in a very small confined space because it does lots of corners um string doesn't do the corners very well when it's anchored at one end and whether that's around the base of the tongue or um some of that string wrapped around other food stuff in the stomach so if it's anchored in the stomach and that bit of string's trying to pass through and or tinsel can't or tinsel um it yeah it just lacerates the bowel and and i've seen i've done surgery on pets that have got like 20 lacerations cuts through the the bowel Mm. where it's all just concertinaed up trying to squeeze that through and then you've got 20 different holes in the bowel leaking stuff into the abdominal cavity which is always a bad thing so what can we do about it i mean you know is back do you think it's really is I mean, I know that post was a bit, you know, just <laughs> for a laugh, cheek, yeah. but if do some cats have a greater tendency to eat this stuff than others, in which case we have to be extra careful or, like, should we all be being more careful? I mean, you know, what's the thoughts around that? Well, you all need to keep it in mind that any cat or dog will potentially have a go at your Christmas tree, either climbing it or eating parts of it. Uh, but some cats are definitely going to like it a little bit more i mean i've never had a cat myself that has ever gone anywhere near a christmas tree they just weren't interested but then you get some that as soon as it goes up they're eating the tinsel so you need to keep an eye on each individual pet um if you have one that likes tinsel don't have tinsel it's you've got to unfortunately put yeah put your cat's needs in front of your little bit of christmas cheer find some other alternative so would you so so glenn would you sort of go along with that then as much as you're going to have a cat that's probably more inclined to get hunkered down on this stuff than others? Or? Yeah, look, I mean, some of them are just more playful and, yep. and some of them are more um, more um, 
intent on finding those long things to chew on. Um, I know one of ours um, at home, he's just the one, if there's something suspiciously thrown up in the middle of the hallway in the middle of the night, it's a hairband or a piece of yeah, string or something yep. that they've found from somewhere, despite our best attempts to, to keep that at bay. So some of them are definitely more prone to, to seeking out and finding and actually those, those sort of things. So yeah, they just, it, they yeah. just seek it out. And, I mean, batting the baubles off the tree and down the hallway, well, that's all a bit of fun. That's yeah, right, yeah, it's entertaining. Yeah, um, that's right. But, yeah, the linear foreign bodies are you know, just devastating if they get one. Yep. Yeah. It's terrible. What about, do we ever get any cases of electrocution or anything like that happening from them chewing on cables? And hmm. Look, I'd assume it would happen. I suppose they'd get a little tingle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. most of them are 12 volts, so they'd get a tingle and, and not cause troubles. I mean, they might not do it again. Yeah. The, two, the 240 volt um, lead that's going to the transformer may not be the best thing to chew. I mean, hopefully most houses have got um, earthing, safety switch. safety switches, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is good. But yeah, touch wood, I haven't seen any electrocution cases, mm. but I'm sure it's happened out there somewhere. And what about dogs? Is this just a cat issue mainly, eating us other stuff, or should dog no. owners um, be aware of it as well? Oh, look, still need to be aware of it. Cats seem to be particularly predisposed to eating those inanimate sort of non-food-based objects. I mean, most of the troubles that dogs get into is, is eating um, food-based objects, I suppose, because um, that's what they really intend on. And, I mean, you see the odd chewed up football or chewed up a tennis ball and it's split in half and become long and thin and, and linear foreign body or occasionally eating mm. you know, underwear or socks and all that sort of thing that, that some dogs seem to be a bit prone to doing because they think that's a good idea at the time uh, but yeah cats seem to be more prone to the to the um, just long stringy bits for some reason I don't know if it's their their rasp like tongue like if you ever felt your um, cat's tongue yeah. like once they get something in their mouth like if they lick a piece of cotton or a piece of string and it can be as simple as a piece of cotton like I've seen cats die of a piece of cotton wrapped around the base of their tongue yeah, right. um, but if you think of what a cat's tongue feels like it's just like little hooks basically so um, cats have a lot of trouble once they've got something that's stringy in their mouth actually getting it back, getting out, it back out because yep. all those little yep. hooks just divert or, or um, push it down yeah push it to the back of their throat and then it gets swallowed and, and, and yeah I'd I think it's probably the tongue structure is part of it, but they just seem to like chewing on long stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's... I mean, it's a bit like chewing on grass and dogs chew on grass all the mm. time and cats like chewing on grass. I don't know if it's that in the back of their mind or what, I'm not sure. But, yeah, cats, it seems to be a, lot, a bigger problem. Yeah. Actually, all right, so there's a quick little diversion again there, as I tend to do. Just chewing on grass... Um, Floral arrangements, I guess, you know, it's not a huge flowery time of year, but, I mean, there will be uh, flowers getting gifted. So what's what's the deal there? Yeah, flowers, um, cats have got a specific problem with um, lilies and you could include pretty much all the lily uh, family in there, which is a really common addition to lots of floral arrangements that you get from florist or um, supermarket or wherever you get your floral arrangements. Um, yeah, they, in cats, have got a specific problem. They cause, um, again, acute over a couple of days kidney failure, which is not reversible and, and sometimes not treatable and, and it will kill them if they eat a relatively small amount of lily so yeah I mean I know my indoor only cats if we um, have flowers at home they've got to sit somewhere where you can't see them and the cats can't get to them or they just get, <laughs> yeah. they just get chewed it's on so here's a, nice, yeah, here's a nice bunch of flowers and it's going to sit on the top, the top of the range hood yes. <laughs> in the kitchen where the cats can't get them out of the way but um, yeah I mean cats uh, often they'll they'll be attracted to chewing on those flowers and and um, if they're chewing on lilies it doesn't take much and it's horrible and they die yeah it's bad all right well i think we've uh, probably very, very cheery covered yes. yeah most of the christmas <laughs> cheer element um as <laughs> pet owners um rejoice perhaps just keep all the chocolates and tinsel for yourselves and um yeah 
You can um, spoil them in other ways. Yeah, you can spoil them in other ways. Um, let's just jump across now then to, um, you know, that, that's eating. Let it, what about behavioural things? So coming up to this time of year, yes. it's a time for a lot of, again, as we said before, a lot of functions and a lot of you know, gatherings of strangers, you know, friends and family members and all this sort of stuff. Um, how does that pan out for our pets? Well, there's with people, if you've got lots of people coming to your house, often your dogs, cats don't know who these people are, um, or large crowds can be scary to these dogs and cats. Uh, you've got to take into consideration their sort of um, social anxieties to these issues. Uh, you might have lots of kids coming around. You need to you need to allow your dog to have a space or your cat a space or a place where they can escape from all of these strangers uh, that are at their house that may want to pat and cuddle and play with them. But sometimes dogs need their own space. They need to be able to get away from those people. And the same thing with cats. And sometimes that may involve locking them in a separate room or a separate space um, because you don't want them getting aggressive with, you know, your visitors, your guests. Uh, they basically need to time out sometimes yeah and i guess again that's that whole thing isn't it you know it is easy to anthropomorphize but we've got to yes. really look through their eyes and it, it, exactly. we can't explain to them what's going on so. that's right and it's very can be very daunting and confronting having a house full of 20 people that are nice and rowdy and they're you know getting on the grog and, in and out for the toilet and all this that's thing, right yeah. in and out they huh and if every one of them wants to pat the dog and scratch its ear and be in its face oh cute puppy well after 20 times of that um the dog might have had enough and and it might result in the, the dog getting very stressed. Uh, you could end up with some form of aggression or problem that's not normally with your dog because they're happy when there's just the few of you at home. So you really do have to take into consideration your dog's personality and also let the guests that are coming into your house, um, if you can see the situation's getting a little bit hairy for your dog, let them know, oh, you know, just leave him alone now. We're just going to put him over here in this room, yeah, shut maybe the door. Move, moving the animals is probably yes. the easiest thing, really, because uh, explaining that to other people, even though we can explain to people, they don't understand. No, sometimes. that's right. And kids don't understand At often because no. they yeah. see the cute fluffy dog running around and they want to play or they want to keep throwing the ball or even the thing of other guests, other people don't know the risk of um, food food things. So if every person at the table slips yeah, a bit of ham to fluffy, yeah. you've all of a sudden got a big problem and you have no idea why. Yep. So you are better where possible to keep them sort of separated from the situation. And, and that aggression thing too I think is interesting because, you know, you often hear, oh, he's never done that before. Yes. You know, like the famous last words when, he's, uh -huh. when your dog or has nipped somebody, oh, yep. he's never done that before. And this is just it. You know, at the end of the day, there's still a dog exactly, or a cat or whatever. But, you know, how they react to a situation when they are feeling stressed is going to yep. be – you know, the only way they know. Well, that's right. And you think we're, you know, most of the time we're good 10 times bigger than our pets and we're, we're strangers. We're inviting strangers into their safe space. Their, their territory, yeah. It is yeah. their safe space, not um, the other way around. And it's very confronting for them. And it does make them stressed. I mean, gosh, I know I get stressed when I have 20 people at my house. So I can understand why a dog that's only knee high is getting stressed. Sure. So. Yeah. And they're all, they're all different. I mean, exactly. some dogs are social butterflies and would take every pet that comes their yep. way. But, but yep. some of them... Um, don't and, and get sick of it or don't like it from the start. And unfortunately, a lot of people aren't that great at reading body language yes. for dogs. And, and some dogs um, are giving every body language cue that they can give to say, please leave Back me alone. I've had yep. enough. I'm getting stressed out. And um, if the person or the child doesn't 
take up Understand those body them. language cues, well, um, sometimes it leaves the dog, especially if it's tied up or in the corner or like it, it's it can't remove itself from that situation. Yeah. I mean, it, it's used up its 10 different cues to say, I want my space bugger leave off, me alone. leave me yep. alone. Um, and then, yeah, a, a warning bite um, is its last resort or its next step after everything else has failed um, when it's been trying to tell people subtly that um, I'd rather yep. be left alone. Yeah. So it definitely needs to be taken into consideration when you've got people coming around. And also on that, you've got to take into consideration people coming into your house, they're going to be driving their cars up to your house. Um, they're going to be walking through your gates. So you need to keep an eye that those gates actually get closed properly. Otherwise, you're going to be out searching for yeah, that's a very good Fido point. down the street because they've done a runner and no one notices. And again, it's really, it's probably the simplest thing is, is to confine your pet somewhere. Really. It yeah. really yeah. is. If, if you're planning to have a big, gathering at your house it's um yeah. honestly going to be the safest option for them and end up being less stressful for both you and the dog yeah. Yeah. and cats in particular too um seem to be a bit more um uh, prone to being just susceptible to, to looking at okay what's going on what's changed in my environment they're yes. all sticklers for their routine and that might be a party or it might be just someone staying for a couple of days and, and yeah. some cats um, are fine with that and, and everything you know goes on hunky-dory but some cats will say okay I'm really stressed out and, and just remove themselves and, and change their normal behavior patterns and I see uh, quite a few cats that something in the house circumstances has changed whether that's a party but that's sort of more short term um but like if there's someone staying or there's yeah, long-term kid, visitors staying or something like that for a couple visitors, of days yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that little cat says okay i'm just gonna stay here in the cupboard most yep. of the day basically and then they don't go to the toilet as often mm-hmm. um and they can end up with urinary tract troubles i see that fairly commonly like where there's just change in circumstances in the household and, and they just hang on for longer than they normally do and they've got a bit of a predisposition to troubles that doesn't cause problems while everything's normal but then if they're in the cupboard for 12 hours at a time and, and don't empty their bladder, they can end up with troubles, and, and that's a reasonably common thing um, at this time of year, but also just yeah, it, when something's changed at home, um, that's that's a, a fairly common cat thing. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so yeah, so right, we've gone through some food and we've gone through uh, the behavioural sort of side of things, perhaps a few things to think about at that time of year. Um, I'm just conscious of the time where we, you know, as we as we tend to do, we can sort of talk about this stuff forever. We can. Um, let's just quickly cover, you know, again, at this time of year, a lot of people are travelling and going away and all this sort of stuff. What's some of the options, you know? Like, what, you know, I guess we've got kennels. Like, what, what's some yeah. of the things that we could um, just, you know, quickly okay. run through that might be worth considering for people at this time of year? Some people might be thinking of leaving their pets into, uh, home by themselves. I mean, this isn't... The greatest option, um, especially if they're on their own, you need to take... I mean, yes, they might be all right for one night by themselves. If you can feed them in the morning, you're back the next day. But you've got to realise also there's other things like storms or something that might frighten them that if no one's there to comfort them or keep an eye on them, that can lead to them becoming very stressed or running away or um, having other issues when you get back. You can have... There's a lot of pet setters, um, people that will come to your house, feed your dog, cat check on them once or twice a day which is probably a better option you know then leaving them by themselves definitely they're much better getting checked exactly yeah unfortunately i seem to be a pessimist in some things um Mm. responding to to here but uh yeah i mean i see pets unfortunately like oh he's only left for for a day 20 hours or something but there's 
occasionally a lot can happen in 20 hours. It like can. Things can go from normal to very abnormal um, in a health crisis um, you know, pretty quickly. There's, there's a couple of different disorders that, that, yeah, I mean, it is a medical emergency and unfortunately if there's no one there, it can end um, fairly badly sometimes. Yep. Um, so it's just that time frame. So, I mean, we can leave them at home, but the next best, really, the better option is to, if we're going to get in that route, look for a, uh, an actual a pet, pet sitter to come or in a, and check. you know, if you've got a lucky enough to have a good neighbour that will actually keep an eye on keep them, check on them, on them well. a couple yep. of times a day, that's definitely a better option. Yep. Some people don't want to put their pets in kennels. I mean, obviously, kennels and catteries are a very good option in that it is safe. You know that your pet is going to be looked after. You'll know the pet's going to be confined. There's not going to be the risk of them running away. Um, they're looked after, monitored. If they get sick, the vet will be contacted. So it is probably the most ideal situation. Yeah. Unless you can have someone come and stay at your house permanently. Yeah, while you're away. While you're and away. House sitting and house pet sitting. sitting yep. And, all right, so if we went down the boarding kennel idea then, you know, it's coming up two weeks' time. We're taking Fido to the boarding kennel. Is there anything I should be thinking about doing now before I take him there? Yeah, look, my stand recommendations is um, just have them on a good long-term flea and tick prevention when they go in um, because you don't want them getting fleas. If there was another cat or dog that had fleas um, in the kennel, you don't want them well, being uncomfortable while there and then bringing fleas home. So if you're already on consistent long-term flea prevention and tick prevention, um, that's that's covered. If you're not regularly on flea control, certainly I'd recommend you know, a good long-acting last for two but weeks. But not put it on the day you take them there. Like, Don't put it on the day no. you take them there because it's going to have time to work. <laughs> Give and, it a few and days, yeah. goes along with it, yeah. And then um, on exit, uh, I always recommend worming them um, when they come home, basically, because there's no uh, residual effect from wormers. So if you uh, have your particularly dogs um, at the kennels. A lot of kennels have got like a shared grass run yes. where they'll go out on their own while their kennel's getting cleaned out or just for like an exercise yard. Look, theoretically, there's a, a parasite risk from other dogs that have pooped in yep. that area. So uh, if you worm them when you get home, you know they're going to be worm-free you know, from then on, basically. Yeah, so there's no point worming them before they go in because it's not going to it's not gonna Stop cover them, them picking while it up. they're in there. Yeah, yep. so it's just, okay, don't know what they've been exposed to worm-wise while they've been there, just worm them when they come out and it's done done and uh what about vaccinating because i believe i, I would say it all, it's almost or would be universal that yes. vaccinations required it should be yeah. <laughs> if, if it's not required i would maybe choose think, a different think, kennel think, think about why they're not requiring it and is the other dogs in the kennel vaccinated but yeah i mean they should be up to date with vaccination before they go in so that's um, another thing like now if you're going away in a couple of weeks i like check on that's like checking your passport right it's yes. like don't wait till you get to the flipping airport to yep. find out yep. that your passport's going to expire in a week or already has expired that's yep. sort of bad and get yeah. them up to date and i mean you know preferably not vaccinating the day before they go in because they're going to have limited coverage the next day after yep. they have their vaccination. It takes a little bit of time for immune response and that sort of thing. So, yes, yeah, so just make sure they've had their vaccinations in the last 12 months and, and you've got the paperwork to go to along with it, it because that's what the kennel should be asking for and, and the last-minute scramble on the public holiday to try and get your um, vaccination certificate. Mm-hmm. I've had that phone call before on, yeah. on Boxing Day. I need my vaccination certificate. Um, and that's difficult. Yeah, I can't, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, well then, let's just, uh, like, I think, wrap this up with something fun because, you know, this... It's been a bit dreary, not it, cheery. It has been a dreary. <laughs> you know, we try to bring in a bit of light-hearted um, entertainment and enjoyment to people, but we seem to have been lecturing and being miserable. So let's <laughs> Thanks, finish, Dr. you know, like, talking about toys and presents, you know. Yes. Again, let's anthropomorphise. We have to include our pets in our Christmas yeah. celebrations and, you know... What are we going to buy him for a Christmas present? Um, 
Beck, you know, you're very much involved in a lot of that sort of stuff at Vet and Pet Direct. So what do we see as being really popular options for presents? The Christmas, for Christmas, people look for the Christmas toys, the Christmas, we've got some pretty cool turkeys and various um, squeaky toys, rope toys, fetch toys. We find tennis balls, the fetch toys really seem to be popular. We have some that are Christmas variety, but even just your stock standard tennis balls, frisbees. Uh, water play toys. So just something. Just something. They've got to be part of the family. They need a present to open to on the day. Do you think many Christmas toys live beyond Christmas? Or are they Um, designed to be purposely weak so they can be destroyed (laughs) by your pet within 24 hours? Well, no. I know my dog managed to last for about three months on his tennis ball squeaky thing with reindeer ears. So (laughs) he quite enjoyed that. Um, They... Uh, maybe not the toughest. Some aren't, but keep in mind it is just it is often a Christmassy sort of thing. It's um, a, yeah, seasonal. Sort of it is, and they're not necessarily. There are varieties out there that are tough and strong, and they will last them until next Christmas, and you'll see them. But uh, we do have a lot that you know, and you get a lot through your supermarkets or vice versa places sort of <laughs> so yeah so doing things and actually that, that just reminded me you know we put up a post there a few oh well a few weeks ago now around halloween and oh, yes. it was a post about dressing our pets up and we actually had a couple of people scold us about uh-huh. that saying you know well i don't do that to my pets mm. you know and so D- dr glenn tell us have we created on, cheer you know, Andrea. <laughs> i want to dress my cat up in a santa suit it's really cute. <laughs> and it is for my entertainment. Tell yes. me, though, you know, about this thing. Like, do you think I've created long-term damage to my pet? Are you they traumatised? Tell, tell us about that. Look, I don't think you've probably caused long-term trauma <laughs> in their life, realistically. Some um, times they look quite offended and have to stand around for their Instagram photos and everything else as they're, as they're dressed up. And, and realistically, they're probably not going to wear their Christmas outfit for hours at a time, most likely. No, and, well, and that probably is the thing, I guess, for those that are worried. You know, I don't... Well, let's not leave our Santa suits on our pets no. unsupervised. Yes, we don't want them on day. all day. And and I mean, it's all right for a little... I've had a jingle bell collar on my dog before yes. and like, it drives you nuts for oh, a yeah. few minutes. You're so. over it anyway. Or they've I, destroyed it before spent, too long. I spent $30 on that collar for you to wear <laughs> for two minutes. That's right. <laughs> and, and I mean, it depends on the, the pet's reaction too. I mean, I mean, cats tend most of the time to become quite immobile when you put, them, put things on them. <laughs> they get that lovely look on yeah, their face. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, if they're getting stressed about it and, yeah. and their pupils are dilating and they're... Um, trying to scramble away yeah. or something like that they're not appreciating it so you obviously don't want that yeah. to be affecting their christmas cheer as well so yeah i mean if but they, many dogs if, it if doesn't they, bother if they tolerate it and like it yes. wiggle around a bit that's um that's probably pretty yeah. good let common yeah. sense be your guide yes exactly yep um okay and so yep a lot of action toys and that sort of thing and some treats we've got some specific christmas treats little um with you know milk yogurt frosting so we've got none of the bad stuff in there but they look like little um candy canes and dog biscuits so there's plenty there's of options out there plenty of options or if we're going to go down the meaty bone route route we go and get mm, a fresh nice fresh bone bone not cooked or maybe some chicken frames or yeah not, we not, not not cooked and the the whole bone discussions probably for another day but yeah just um, a bone that the dog can uh, chew up and anything that's left in a couple of hours pick it up and throw it away so regardless of the bone type if they're still gnawing on after a couple of hours it's either potentially too hard for them or there's just too much 
and it's going to go rotten and they're going to get food poisoning and you don't want that. Don't wrap it and put it under the Christmas tree either. It'll Really All right, I've got a really nice. curly one here for Beck. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Best present for my pet fish. <laughs> you know I was going to ask you this. You? I don't I did know wonder. if you could buy a Christmas-specific present for your fish. Oh, um, You know, all of the fish owners of Australia are going to be coming back to us now. So. That's fine. I'm open for suggestions on okay. this one. My open three goldfisher. Isn't that dusting of, of red and green um, fish flakes on the top, yeah, of, the, that's top it. of the tank? The normal Christmas-y. fish food. <laughs> As it settles, settles down through the, yeah. um, through the water. Yeah. And uh, the mould that grows on the side of the tank. <laughs> and a, um, a final one for Dr. Glenn. What's the best thing I should leave out for Santa's reindeer? Should I leave oh. out carrots or should I be looking for some specific reindeer-friendly treat? Oh, look, it depends on um, if you're on the end of the run or not. Oh. If you're on the early um, section of Santa's run, probably you don't want to load them up on um, too much carbohydrate because um, poor Santa's sitting back behind the reindeer um, and that could get a bit volatile <laughs> um, as, as, they're, as they're flying along. So, I was wondering where this was going to go. So, so, so you don't want, yes, it might be turbocharging, <laughs> but, but you, know, you don't want Santa being hit by reindeer, reindeer oh. apples. Um, well, in, and also in, in, consider in so, Santa's treats. We don't want him getting too porky that he has to well, well, drag, reindeers have to drag the, him around. Getting stuck up the chimney. Probably. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, again, just uh, everything in moderation and probably similar to their regular diet would, would make sense. Which is carrots, is right? A regular reindeer diet. That's what they eat, isn't it? Yes, there's carrots everywhere. Glitter. Yeah, that could seem great. Carrots and glitter. (laughs) Carrots and glitter. It sounds like a perfect balanced diet. Well, on that note, uh, let's wrap up this podcast. Uh, Thank you for sticking with us. Hopefully you've uh, garnered a few useful pieces of information in there. We're definitely not trying to uh, be the Grinch that destroyed Christmas (laughs) and made it a completely miserable experience for everybody. But, yeah, you can have fun, keep it safe, and... um, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I think we might talk to you again before then, but... um, in case we don't. Yeah. Have don't a good f- one. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye.